What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Sir, it's the Batfoot. Yes, Commissioner. Batman. We'll be right there. Biff Bam Pal. This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We're Batman and Robin, a crime fighters. Discussing the episodes that aired this week on SBS Vice Land. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm an editor at SBS. I'm joined here by a woman who balances the scales of podcast justice. It's Fiona Williams. Oh, hello. That's interesting. Yeah, because it's like the Aquarius and the Zodiac. Okay, I'll take yeah. it. Thanks. Joining us for a second time at Batman Land, a man who'll accept no bull, it's SBS scheduler, Chris Beggins. <laughs> Hello, Dan. That's I'm actually quite into that one as opposed to bees. <laughs> yeah. I'm an Aries too, so it works. Um, okay, fantastic. They're not bulls, are they? They're no. rams. <laughs> are, they, are they rams? Oh, no. Is there a bull? Have I just screwed yeah, up this entire intro? Taurus is the bull. Oh, thank God. I don't really know my Zodiac. What are you? Me, uh, Gemini, the twins. Oh, you're so Gemini too. I'm totally Gemini. Yeah, yeah you can just tell. Astrology, the science of the stars, the science of the future. <laughs> We're off to a cracking start. <laughs> Folks, this is the... Actually, this is a pretty important episode of Batman and Batman Land subsequently. This is the first triple-parter, three episodes, back-to-back, telling the whole story. And guys, I think we could all agree, boy, did this feel like three episodes back-to-back. <laughs> it was it was definitely three episodes. <laughs> sure was. Yeah. Feature length. Mm. Yeah. So there's actually a good reason why there's three episodes back-to-back. And I was trying to suss it out. The important thing to acknowledge is that the promotional reason there were three episodes is because the week that this aired, which was on the 11th of January, 1967, it represented exactly one year since the show had debuted on ABC in the US. Okay, nice. So this is the one year anniversary, so that's how they promoted it. But what the real reason is for three episodes is they thought they could use this as an opportunity to prop up the ratings a bit by creating an event, but also they were going to use all three episodes, tie them together, release it as a movie overseas. Ah. Yeah. I could see that happening too. Yeah. I thought the quality was good enough for like a low rent film. Oh, yeah. Look, absolutely. There's a lot of plot in there. Yeah, could, exactly. Yeah. And like the fight sequences were kind of cool. So I thought I thought there was enough there for a film. It seemed like they were really doing a, like a sort of best of, like all the elements that you really want to see in a Batman episode yeah. really just pulled together in these three episodes. Bring in your big villains. Yeah. I mean, at the end, they end up in like the Batcave. Like that's what you want to see. Mm. You want to see the Joker in the Batcave. There was drama there. Oh, it was huge drama. <laughs> Now, Fiona, yes. somehow I remember that last scene, but generally I don't remember what happened in these episodes. Can you please remind us? Let me count the ways. So, as we've said, we've got a bit of a triple threat happening in our three-episode arc. We've got 12 crimes. A crime for each sign of the Zodiac. Batman and Robin are brought in to solve a series of cryptic clues. Simple matter of deduction. 12 crimes being plotted by the Joker <laughs> in cahoots with his old sparring partner, the Penguin. You're up against the Blackbird of Prague. <laughs> And it starts with a rare art map. Rare art map. Which is a map of rare art, not a rare map. Precisely. And ends with strawberry jelly in the water pipes. Joker jelly. And all in between, there is a female frenemy, Venus, who flirts up a storm with Batman. Batman. And wavers between going straight and dobbing in her criminal mates. I'm going straight now. So there's a lot going on. So why don't we just get right into it, huh? So, as we see at the very beginning of the episode, the Zodiac uh, puns and um, integration into the episode comes thick and fast. We're introduced to the rare art map, which seems to only be an excuse to have an acronym of R-A-M, RAM. R-A-M. Aries the Ram, the first sign. Which, obviously, one of the signs of the Zodiac. Chris? Yes, yes it is. Can confirm. Checks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I thought it was kind of fun seeing the Joker at the very beginning busting his way into the police department like headquarters. Because it was kind of fun seeing him in there. And I can't think of any villains we've seen inside Gordon's office outside of Catwoman in the Batman movie where she's there pretending to be a Russian journalist. Yes. Yeah. And it was kind of nice because we saw the Joker in here and then at the end in the Batcave, both the Penguin and Joker are hanging out. It was kind of a big event moment for it. And I love that he he pops in just when the two are saying, you know, th- this will revolutionise policing. And meanwhile, one of the, the prime villains just standing right in front of them. He spent some time in prison too at some point, right, the Joker? Yeah, he's well, he said he'd just come out. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, like he shouldn't be able to just waltz in there really. He was looking very fresh-faced though, I thought. He was. I mean, I haven't been to prison, but I assume that you come out feeling a little bit gross and dirty. And you... I mean, maybe that's what the makeup is really for, to like hide the inner sadness that going to prison will cause. <laughs> Look, I mean, the thing is, like, he's obviously very Pagliacci in clown nature, but like in the prison yards, he's wearing like the full makeup as well. So it's just like a constant hiding of the... Stick to the character. Internal. Mind you, sometimes putting a hat on can disguise you pretty well. <laughs> Which we see twice <laughs> in this episode. One says he's a Texan uh, boyfriend. Friend, uh, trying to buy <laughs> Sugar daddy kind of fella mm, yeah. at the jewellery store. Oh, get him for me, daddy, huh? If it's going to pleasure you, why sure? <laughs> Which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> and then the second time he just puts on a cop hat and yep. jumps in the police car and he's driving around. Calling and- all cars. Calling all cars. The Joker has stolen justice. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> he looks like he's from Adam 12 or something. It was great. Disregard all instructions broadcast on this wavelength. Batman, you're supposed to be dead. Crushed by that meteorite. Well, I'm not dead, Joker. Neither is Robin. Now, neither of you have spent time in law enforcement. Is that correct? I did five days work experience at the police in Year 10. Really? So you could say I'm like, you know, a 20th of a cop. Did they deputise you? Uh, they didn't, sadly. No. Okay, no. well, you're probably the authority on this then. I think so in the room, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took a vote. As far as it goes, as far as, like, legitimate police work goes, if there's a, we'll call him, like, the master of maudlin mockery that busts into the room. Yep, you know, that's the, definitely a police term. Yeah, the clown prince of crime. If he's sitting there in the window, he's taunting you both, he's, like, there was, like, that thing hovering and it was sparking and doing all that sort of gear. Yeah. He's a known felon. He's threatening police officers. Would you pull a gun on him, maybe? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, yes, I would. I'd definitely call for backup because mm. I know I, the commissioner and the chief, Chief O'Hara, are obviously, like, you know, well-known police officers who are very good at their jobs, but it might it might have been worth calling a couple of others for, a, you know, a criminal genius. Because, I mean, Gordon could maybe reach over on the desk, press the button, say, Bonnie, can you call some backup? Yes. And then someone would walk in. Yeah, they just watch him take the map, really. Yeah. Um, at least get the capsicum spray out, I would think, just to distract him for a second. Absolutely. Now, I'm willing to concede that Gordon, he's a bureaucrat really at the stage in his career. Okay, he may not necessarily be carrying a piece. Like, there might be one in the top drawer. We don't know for sure. But I'm willing to excuse Gordon and say, look... Maybe he doesn't carry a gun on him. But Chief O'Hara should, in theory, have a gun on him, which maybe lends itself to the theory I've had since the beginning of the series. Chief O'Hara is not actually a practicing member of the Gotham PD. Rather, he's just there as a personal friend of Gordon's. I mean, there was the scene later on in episode three after the after the jelly incident yeah. where he rocks up in uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon's office still in his towel covered <laughs> in jelly, yeah. which I feel like was unprofessional at best. Okay, this begs a couple of questions. Now, I generally don't like showering at gyms. You know, it's just awkward. You know, just give me the comfort of my own bathroom at home. But usually when I'm in any sort of shower environment, I'm not always wearing a towel, whereas he turned on the faucet. He was under the faucet being covered by jam. 
towel still on. What's that about? It's a PG show, Dan. Mm, I don't know. I'm still the memory burn of seeing him there. Stafford Blake shirtless. Would you rather have seen him naked? I uh, prefer the suggestion of the towel. Yeah. yeah. Just in this instance. Can they just have camera just a little bit above? But then you never know. And then there's uncomfortable conversations with the kiddies. We still saw too much. I know. Welcome to my nightmare. I don't need to see. <laughs> Maybe he could be wearing more like a 1920s bathing costume. In the shower? Look, he's wearing a towel in a shower. True. Apparently, it's that's reminiscent fine. of Arrested Development. That's very never true. Nudes. That's <laughs> very true. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's where they got the idea. Probably. He's a never nude. Is that exactly what it sounds like? Tobias suffered a rare psychological affliction of never being able to be completely naked. Excuse me. <laughs> Mitchell Horwitz is watching. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the joke had the penguin shipped to Gotham like literally in a box to stay under the radar from Batman's attention. The thing is, through this entire episode, the first, well, the first part, definitely, Joker has Batman travelling across town doing all sorts of things. It's very anarchic. There's like a lot of stuff going on. Batman and Robin can't really get a grounding as to what's taking place. Couldn't the Joker just keep him busy for a little bit rather than have the Penguin have the indignity of travelling in a box? Fiona, you're our logistics expert. I am. I know. I'm just thinking it through. I think then we wouldn't have the big reveal of what's in the box. Hey, it's the penguin. Builds the intrigue. Yeah. Did you know it was the penguin? Oh, look, I mean, I knew that he was in the episode, so there was a strong chance we might see him crop up there somewhere. Well, I didn't know it was the penguin. I didn't either. (laughs) Exactly. And it was a pleasant surprise. (laughs) Did you squeal with delight? I did, a little bit, yeah, (laughs) to see his little curmudgeonly face. (laughs) Coming out of the box. Yeah, exactly. You dolt! You buffoon! I might have suffocated! Uh, now, this episode has uh, a sad sort of farewell within the show. Okay, like, did anyone pick it? No. Okay, this is the last episode that features the Batmobile parachute pickup service. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> yep. Okay. Very sad. So when the Batmobile has to do a very fast turn, which we saw here in... It was like an epic moment. It was. And the parachute comes out the back to, like, help them slow down. And there's actually a dedicated group that go and pick those up. <laughs> We've seen them in one other episode. But, you know, this is the last time we see them in a series. I have uh. questions about the parachute pickup service. Okay. If Let's we've only them. seen them t- twice in the space of how many episodes are we in now? Uh, so there's been 74 episodes so far. That's a lot of episodes to only appear in two. What do they do the rest of the time? Do they have other jobs within the within the Batman universe? No, but this is, I presume that they're just sitting in the van waiting Chuck Norris style until there's action. And their action is just to clean up a parachute that's Pick left parachute. on the ground. But Bruce Wayne is so wealthy that he can that's clearly true. pay for these guys to just wait around. He has them on call. And yet he only has one butler. He only needs one butler. Those parachutes won't lift themselves with one person. <laughs> That's a good point. Someone's got to keep Aunt Harriet distracted. Yes, very true. <laughs> we also saw for the first time in this the Batcopter, where we'd seen the Batcopter in the movie, but we've not seen it in a TV show. So this introduces the stock footage that we've seen from the movie of the runnings of the Batcopter and taking off and that sort of shot of them flying at it. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to waste that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's that gold. As much as possible. Well, I'm just amazed it took this long to use it because, like, <laughs> that was the cool set piece, whereas we've seen the Bat Boat, like, three or four times since. I will say, my last episode, the first sighting of the Bat Boat. Really? Oh. So maybe I should come in more often <laughs> and you'll get cool uh, vehicles to talk about. So you must have been here for the first episode of season two. I was. Yeah. I believe that one was The Minstrel, wasn't uh, it, it, Chris? It was indeed The Minstrel. So it was very, very uh, pleasing to see some real villains <laughs> and not a pretend archer. Which was kind of fun here because the last episode we did, I think it was last week with the Sandman and Catwoman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of, it's a Sandman episode with Catwoman just kind of there. 
And you got the same thing here where it's a Joker episode mm. with the Penguin just kind of around. But because it's the Penguin, like it just elevates it up to being a little bit more exciting. And watching Cesar Romero and Burgess Meredith in a couple of scenes they actually had together, playing off each other and both getting as ridiculously broad as possible, mm. I just thought it was so much fun. It's great. They've got history and, uh, yeah, it's fun. And their rivalry, they're playing that up is, is quite a thing. And by Penguin, I presume you mean Pengi. Oh, yeah, Pengi. <laughs> Sorry, I'd hate to be that presumptuous. Oh, Pengi. Uh, shall we run through a couple of the interesting guest stars here? There's really just two this week. Uh, Fiona, do you want to maybe run us through uh, Terry? Sure. Well, Venus, uh, she's uh, the offsider of the Joker. And in, in Batman, it's common for the female associate of the villain to go through a change of heart and want to walk the straight line when she encounters Batman and have a bit of a romantic moment with him as well. But that comes a lot earlier in this triple. So she goes straight, she goes crooked again. Uh, she just can't really make up her mind which way her loyalties lie. But she's played by Terry Moore, who is best known for maybe Peyton Place, the film. Um, well, was, I know her from Mighty Joe Young. Yeah, the original and the sequel yeah. she had. Well, I know her well. from the original, but yep. she was in the sequel in like her background extra yep. sort of a role. Yeah. Um, and she was Oscar nominated for Comeback Little Sheba um, in the 50s. What else? She was... Famously married to um, Howard Hughes for a little while there. Oh, really? she? Was she though? Exactly. Yeah, she said she was. So, yeah, but who would know? He didn't keep her. <laughs> Wasn't all that <laughs> public about his exploits. Yeah, and as I say, she's still working. So she's got a couple of projects still on the go and was in Kill Your Darlings, the film, a couple of years back. She's late 80s, like almost 90. So She's getting on a little bit. Aren't we all, Chris? That's very true. <laughs> um. But, yeah, so in, in this episode, she's Venus, so she has quite an extended moment with Batman where it looks like they might almost kiss. And this is where it plays almost like a film. That's exactly it. So, mm. I mean, usually they sort of get introduced at the beginning and have one or two scenes and then at the end they usually reveal themselves to actually be on a side of good. And it was kind of weird. Like this sort of threw back a bit to the first season where every time that we saw one of, you know, the villain's malls, like there was always this idea that it was just someone of whom had taken a bad turn and, you yeah. know, they were, you know, just one step away from being rehabilitated. So it was it's kind of interesting. We haven't seen that at all in the second season. There's been none of that. But we're kind of right back to this with this character. Mm. Yeah, she gets quite a few scenes. Like she's been, you know, four or five of them. Yeah. Both with Batman himself and Batman and Robin in like moments of peril too. I thought that was quite nice. Adding yeah. a little bit of spice to the uh, to the clam affair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let us talk about that clam. That was quite the frisky clam, I think we can all agree. <laughs> it, it was a hungry clam. Yeah, very much. Like I've never seen a clam in motion let alone a clam of that size. I'm not sure. Do clams of that size actually exist? Uh, did you not see this episode of Batman? <laughs> it's true. I'm sorry. I did I did notice the foam teeth as it was uh, as Robin was exiting the clam. Were you not watching David Attenborough and learn how this works? That's true. I'd like to see that in the next Blue Planet. I, I think the props department had a real filled day with these three episodes as well. We've got the giant clam. We've also got the horoscope under a meteorite, that whole setup at the end of episode one. Yeah. With, yeah, like an elaborate solar system with a bomb contraption that sets off a meteorite that gives Batman ample time to uh, <laughs> to avert. There's also Joker's truck where he was yes. like on the back for no reason at all, really. Can we just also reference Penguin's stunt work as he was getting <laughs> away and he hooks onto the wire and, and basically like elevates himself off it as they drive away? He must be like six or seven metres off the ground. I was genuinely impressed by that, which I'm not always by Batman stunts, but that that I was like, that looked hard to do. 
So when the Joker's flying through the park on the back of the jib, on the back of that truck, I was looking at it and I was trying to see the stuntman because obviously there's a lot of stunt work going on, but he kind of looked like Cesar Romero. So mm. either it was just a really good take and it's hard to tell because the makeup, but I think it may have been Cesar Romero up there, which surprised me because he wasn't really a sprightly guy when they were making this. It's impressive. Very impressive. Mm. And you mentioned two cameos. Uh this one is a bit of a blink and you'll miss it, but uh, there is a first on-screen appearance by one Rob Reiner, now, actor I'm slash director. Yeah, I was going through the IMDb trivia and it said that this was his first TV appearance, mm. but also in the IMDb they listed another program he did before this one. So I don't know what to believe. Oh, look, what is real anyway, but I'll, I'll take this one. But yeah, playing the delivery guy. Hell of a star <laughs> turn. Fiona, you're our film person. Favourite Rob Reiner movie? I would say When Harry Met Sally, I think. Yeah? Yeah. That, I can always go back to that. I'm That's an American my... president man through and through. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Chris? Yes, Rob <laughs> Reiner. Rob Reiner films. Uh, I will say I just watched... One of America's finest or hers. Absolutely. Princess Bride? I did just watch the third episode of The Good Fight screening on SBS. Uh, he appears in that. So he was great in that. I'd thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, so if you missed that episode, check it out on SBS On Demand. You might also want to check out its companion podcast. We're doing a Good Fight podcast where every week we go in deep into that show. I'm on it. And also our new friend, Sarah Malik. So people may want to check that one out. Back to the Batman land, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) After that announcement. (laughs) Smooth. Nothing but shameless. Should we talk about... The 12 crimes. Were there 12? Were there definitely 12? Because I remember maybe four. (laughs) Uh, Well, a few were merged. I think that was a bit of a cheat. Yeah. So you had your your double ups of, I did make a note, Leo and Cancer emerged in the opera singer, Leo Crustache. So it's a mix of Leo the Lion and the crustacean for cancer. Um, yeah, I mean we've got three episodes here. We've got some, we've got some pretty generous running time, but they still <laughs> they're still condensing them down a little bit. Probably uh, in the writers' room there, they needed to. Yeah. So yeah, there are twelve crimes that took place in regards to the Zodiac. And admittedly, part of me was really waiting for Robert Downey Jr. or Jake Gyllenhaal to make their appearance. Didn't happen. There is one crime though that takes place in the TV show or movie if you're living internationally. One crime that took place that they don't even address. Batman and Robin don't solve this crime at all. If you notice when they're in the record store, and there was that fun record store fight, but during that there's a big sign up in the background that advised that on Sundays there's bongo sessions. And to mm-hmm. me, that's a crime that needs to be investigated. <laughs> uh... Why 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 such strong feelings on the bongos? Look, if you are pro bongo, you can get out of the studio right now. And we're, and we're not gonna <laughs> We're and just, there goes we our just producer. Lost our audio engineer. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sorry. Talking about crimes against music, Dick's tuba playing in the opening scene Ooh, of these episodes. I do like that. Usually, Bruce is so encouraging of Dick <laughs> with his terrible French speaking or whatever the you know skill of the uh, week is. But in this, like Bruce was not into that tuba. He was sitting right under it. You could probably uh, up sticks a bit. Bless Aunt Harriet for being so encouraging, though, because she knows that was garbage, right? Like, there's no way you couldn't, and she was she was right on board with Dick's tuba playing. She may well be deaf as opposed. We're That's not true. sure about that. Very true. <laughs> as far as bad musical renditions go, as well, uh, going back to Chief O'Hara under the shower, he's singing "Oh Danny Must Boy." We? Okay, which first of all, as a half Irishman. Like, it really sort of bothers me how broad that Irish stereotype is going in this show. And that was just, it was too much. And those pipes, they're not, no. I won't buy it. Not not on board for that. No. Wasn't strawberry coming out of those pipes. (laughs) 
Well, there was strawberry coming out of those pipes. Unfortunately, not the right pipes. Speaking of, there's that really funny scene when they're in Bruce Wayne's apartment, his Midtown apartment, which previously not mentioned, but, you know, here we are. Yeah. Uh, Venus is being chatted up by the penguin on the couch and he offers her a glass of water. And she, like, immediately, without, like, missing a beat, just said... Oh, you can't get any water. Nothing comes out of the faucets but strawberry jelly. I guess that's how rich millionaires live. Mm-hmm. Fair assumption. It's a funny line. As a child, that's definitely what I would have thought. There's just a <laughs> jelly tra- There's a jelly tap somewhere. That's- on tap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you think the Rockefellers have like different flavor jellies coming out of? I have absolutely no doubt that that, that is a thing that they have. Yes. <laughs> and I love that in the absence of any water, have a glass of champagne. That's how I live my life. Yeah. Champagne. Oh, I, I really don't think that I should, Peggy. Why? You want to die of dehydrophilia? What's that? Well, that's the loss of precious bodily fluids due to a lack of a liquid in the, in the tissues. It sounds terrible. Drink up, my dad. Drink up. <laughs> was, it, was it the first line of any sort of drunkenness in ah. Batman? Actually, that's an interesting point because there's been a number of, like, art-related events that criminals have come by and stopped, and often they're not drinking booze. It's usually some sort of other beverages. And they'll make a very specific point about what they're drinking. There was a Penguin episode, I think, or a Riddler episode. I feel like the Liberace episode, he was drinking a bit um, when he was wooing Aunt Harriet. Oh, really? I feel as though he was. I probably would need to get the fact-checking department onto that one. Yeah. We should get our people onto it. Yeah, I mean, there has been lots of drug use on the show, but not really strictly recreational. Well, I mean, people are being <laughs> gassed point. left, right That's and centre as well. very true. Or sprayed, which I yeah, guess is the same thing. Spritz in the face there's and a, There's gas. a lot of spritzing going on with some, you know, suspicious substances. Mm. One thing I would like to talk about is the twins and where I can possibly find their discography because I was kind <laughs> of a fan in the small snippet that I heard. You are the twins. That's what the sign says, man. Well, I'm very confused on this one. I'm glad you brought it up, Chris, because this one relates to Gemini. This was the crime around Gemini, the twins. My and, people. Okay. As a Gemini. Sure. I'm a twin, so the, I, I think I get to claim that before you do. <laughs> I forgot you were a twin. <laughs> I am, yeah. yes. I, I have a brother who was born slightly before me. Identical? No, no, we're not the weird kind. Okay. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that because I'm a twin. Are yeah, you well, a musical twosome? No. No, we're not. Well, neither of us are musical onesomes, and that doesn't, that, like, when we come together, it doesn't get any better. <laughs> now, with the twins in the show, I wasn't really taken so much with their musical ability as much as their wig work. Sure. Uh, your brother, the two of you gone around with wigs much? No, we've both got strong heads of hair, I like to think, so no wig has been necessary. <laughs> Very disappointing. Yeah. Didn't expect to talk about the fact I was a twin for a good, like, two minutes of the show here. <laughs> hey, you both brought it up. Shout out to Pat. Hey, Pat. <laughs> How how great was throwing fish as a, as a weapon? That looked like quite an expensive scene because those like yeah. they, they must have thrown fifty or sixty full grown fish. Yeah, those things aren't cheap. And that is the finest specimen of Valparima I have ever seen. And here's a missed opportunity to bring the penguin into this bit because he was off. He doesn't come back to the third episode. That's, That's a missed op. That's always the weird thing with the show, though, that the villain schemes very ever relate to their actual like shtick. Yeah. Yeah, so the Joker will throw fish, whereas the Penguin will probably have whoopee cushions around. Yeah. <laughs> the fish snapping of the century. <laughs> Careful you don't get caught by a red herring. 
Batman. I look forward to the episode with the penguin and the whoopee cushions. Oh, look, we all do. Yeah. We'll have you back for that yeah, one. Geez. I particularly liked at the very end where in the Batcave, the Joker and the penguin and like eight different henchmen all get out of the boots of the Batmobile, which I'm very curious how they got that sort of boot space. That's a roomy Batmobile. I'm guessing there's a chair that goes forward. Yeah. Very good. But they all get out and we discover this is part of Batman's ruse because he wanted to scan them with some sort of bat analyzer, but it's too heavy to get out of the Batcave. So it's just kind of good to get them all there. And first of all, I was a bit concerned about the violation of their um, civic rights. Like surely they should have to sign a bit of paperwork or something before Batman gets that physiological evidence from them. But I like the fight scene that takes place straight afterwards because there's this interesting bit where they pick up Robin and carry him up to the top of that nuclear reactor. And it seemed like a really fun throwback to the very first episode where there's the woman who dresses up as Robin, played by Jill St. John, and she falls into the nuclear reactor. Mm. And it's a very sad, you know, classic moment in the show. But just seeing Robin, you know, dancing around up there, it was, you know. Now it's a bit. Yeah. We didn't talk about Robin's dancing. Oh, we really should, shouldn't we? I mean, it was it was outstanding and extended too. Like Batman took quite a while to say that's that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> that's enough, Robin. Perhaps another time might be more appropriate for that, Robin. Oh, sorry. There's a couple of cut downs of Batman does of Robin there because when um, they first encounter the idea of the, the Zodiac crimes, the Robin Taurus starts listing off signs of the Zodiac the but gets interrupted by Batman virgin. saying, Libra the scales, Scorpio the scorpion, etc., etc. Ad infinitum. But, I mean, it's only 12. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly infinite. And, like, it's very relevant to the case yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm no Batman or Robin, so I'm not necessarily presuming I know better than them, but they seem to involve themselves in his fight scenes a fair bit. Batman has some spray that he sprays a number of people to knock them out immediately so they can't find their way into the Batcave. Could he not just spray that in the direction of villains every week on his show? Where's the fun in that, though? Mm. Maybe he's got to spray him again to wake him up. It's true. In prison. Would that not be safer? And also, like, what if someone hits him whilst he's spraying them from behind. Yeah. Can only spray in one direction. So no H&S It's not magic spray. <laughs> I, feel, I feel Batman, he's a crafty guy. He could find solutions to these various problems. I feel like he likes a good scrap anyway, so yeah. he doesn't mind having a bit of fisticuffs. This is one, of, one of the henchmen was an amateur boxer. I was reading about the answer with quite with quite a good record. So maybe that was written into his contract that he needed to have. There needed to be a scrap for him to really show what he's show what he's worth. As they enter the Batcave at the end, Batman is talking to Venus, and she said something about, "Oh, you know, it's a nice Batcave you've got here." And he said, "It's just a nice place we can hang our cows," which I found fascinating, considering that we have never seen them take off their masks in the Batcave. Sorry, did he say hang our towels or cows? Oh. Cows. Because I thought he was also in a towel, a full time. Maybe it's maybe it's a show trope. It's n- not just Chief O'Hara. No, that towel free, like it's towel free in the back cave. Okay. It's just a standard rule. Yeah, sure. No towels, but they're always wearing their cows. Yes, I understand now. Yeah, <laughs> just their cows. Usually with our guests, we like to talk to them about who their Batman is, but we do have a returning guest. So, Chris, something I've been throwing to people who have returned to the Batman land cave here is the villains. We've got two villains here. Okay, both, you know, the Penguin, sorry, Pengi yes. and the Joker. Uh, Does the Joker have a pet name as well? Jokey. Jokey? Jokey? Oh. Sure. Yeah. I'll go with that. 
Yeah, I got nothing. I can't shrink it down any shorter. Uh, villains, like who do you go for? Like, what's your villain of choice? Not the minstrel. Yeah, uh, that's that's my my first. Like he's not in your top five, but like surely he's six or seven. Yeah, yeah, sixtieth or seventeenth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out there. Uh, I I enjoy the penguin a lot. Why the penguin? I think the Danny DeVito penguin was my first one of my first introductions to Batman, and he's just a ridiculous character. <laughs> like there's there's no ostensible reason why he should be a penguin at all, right? Well, like it, well, I don't. Uh, is there a backstory there that I'm missing? Oh, well, I mean, in Batman Returns, he's got like the sort of beakish nose, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, that's a that's yeah. a long bow to draw. Like lots of people have kind of weird noses, and they don't make that their whole character, do <laughs> well, they? It's been done. You yeah. wouldn't know, would you? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh, where like where I feel like the Joker, there's a bit of a backstory. You understand, you kind of understand what's going yeah. on. Where penguin. He just decided to be a penguin, and it works. Yeah, like he does, and he commits. Yeah. Do penguins quack? I think they squawk. Why does he quack then? No, well, it's not really a quack. It's more like a quack, quack, quack. That's going to be my new ringtone, I think. <laughs> just, just you We're going to need that. an MP3 of yeah. that, thanks. You don't even need to play it. Like, I'll just come over to your desk at work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Give you a bit of pengy action. I'd have, I, I think I and the rest of the office would appreciate that. Okay, so you like the Penguin. Are you a Joker person? Because the Joker is seen by so many people as the greatest Batman villain. It's true. I guess it's kind of, I find it hard to reconcile the differences b- between the Joker and the fact that they've been played in so, like the breadth of character for the Joker seems to be so wide, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, they play that up in the comics a little bit. So the whole idea of the Joker in the comics is that he kind of adapts to the time and situation. So for about six months, he'll be one type of Joker and then he'll just change and become a different type of Joker. And they actually carry that discrepancy that you see in the movies and TV shows into the comics that way. That actually, that makes a lot of sense. And you've increased my uh, my passion for respect. the Joker. My respect for the Joker has definitely <laughs> increased with that knowledge I guess because I'd gone from seeing the show where he's kind of slapsticky and ridiculous to seeing Heath Ledger's Joker, you know, which is not that. No. Um, <laughs> no. That, yeah, it, it, I guess it seemed a little jarring, but if I don't read the comics, so if you're saying that that's kind of on a bit of a continuum, he exists on a spectrum each time, then that's quite interesting. And speaking of the Joker, we've had in the news recently um, your friend Tommy out. Dan. Yeah, my BFF. Yeah, doing yeah. a reasonable Joker impersonation for well, a faux audition. I'm not the monster. No, I'm just the head of the curve. He has come to me. Come on, I'm not the monster. No. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. And ah. the thing is, you could watch out. I mean, it's Tommy Wiseau, so it's never going to be a good performance. Of the room infamy. Yeah. It's never going to be a great performance. And this is a video he did for the Nerdist uh, YouTube channel. I don't really quite understand the context of the video broadly. I don't think it matters. I'm pretty sure it was just the pun, why so serious, right? Like that's where <laughs> yeah. it all came from. There's no other reason to do it. Pretty much. <laughs> it's enough. But like I kind of thought because Wiseau is generally fairly unhinged at the best of times, he kind of made for a good joker. Mm. He I mean, terrifies me. <laughs> I mean, I walked away from that four minutes and I was a changed man. <laughs> You're not the Batman, get out! I need Batman, where is he? So because there was the Wise Out video, I did put up a brief article about it on the SBS website. And when I was writing the intro, I was thinking about the other actors who've played the Joker throughout history. And I just found it interesting that every single one of the actors is really, like, the Joker's their defining performance in a lot of ways. 
in a way that I don't think it's the same for most of the other actors who played villains on the show. I mean, obviously, Adam West is typecast as yeah. Batman Forever and the same with Burt Ward as Robin. But, I mean, you think about, say, Burgess Meredith, and while I'm a huge Batman guy, I don't necessarily think of the Penguin as his, like, major role as much as I think about him being in the Rocky movies. Sure. But, like, that's the immediate sort of thought that I have. Sure. Uh, Julie Newmar, I guess, is Catwoman through and through. I mean, I always think about the movie... To Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. But I don't think she's actually in she's that. <laughs> yeah, it's a reference. It is yeah. a reference. Uh, but like, think about the Joker's. I mean, Cesar Romero had a very distinguished career before he did the Joker, but that's really what people remember him for yeah. now. Uh, Jack Nicholson's obviously had a hell of a career, but the Joker is one of those defining roles that he's had. Oh, I'd, yeah, I'd say Shining is his. Oh most yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like yeah. this is the role, but like when you see. Uh, when yeah. he does eventually pass, like essentially it's going to be The Shining and The Joker will sure. be the two things played in the newsreel. Uh, you think about Heath Ledger, who had a very short career for what I think, you know, we all kind of wish that he'd had. But like The Joker is really like that role that I think is the one that people are going to take away. And even from animation, like Mark Hamill will always be Luke Skywalker. But for a generation who grew up with that cartoon, like when they think of The Joker, they think of his voice. <laughs> Connected. <laughs> Do you feel like Jared Leto will also <laughs> ascend to that status? Look, obviously. <laughs> yeah. His band isn't going to do it. No. No. Is that too obscure? Emo band of the oh, not if you were not if you were I born think- between 1985 and 1995. <laughs> 1985 and 1987. What year were you born? 1990. Holy crap. Jesus. And there were definitely 13-year-old girls at my high school who were very into 30 Seconds to Mars. And me. And you. And me, obviously. Your twin? No, he wasn't at all. We have no no similar (laughs) interests. Now, I'd like to say that this is due to great orchestration on my end, but pure coincidence, uh, Chris Fagans, your role here as a scheduler for SBS... (laughs) I believe that you were part of the fundamental decision to make with this week's episode, because when there's a three-part Batman episode, this is a scheduling nightmare to a certain degree because it's outside of the regular. And shows like this are designed just to like fall into a schedule and you don't worry about them unless there's ratings problems with it. Okay, but like what happens when, you know, suddenly we have to fit a third episode into the schedule? I feel like nightmare is is an overstatement slightly. <laughs> Talk up your job a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm very yeah. important. Uh, no, uh, w- there was a decision to be made whether we push it later, start it in the same time slot or let it run later. But we play Adam looking for Eve at 8.30 where there are lots of uh, nude people and we, we obviously can't push that because we're SBS. So <laughs> we started it at 7pm instead. Because obviously you sat down with John Bohm, uh, former Batman Land guest and channel Alumni, manager. Alumni, I think he Alumni. likes to be called. <laughs> he may want to be called that, but we'll call him previous guest. The two of you sat down and had a chat about it. Now, obviously, it's John's decision, but in his mind, like, read John's mind for me. Does he really see that Batman is more flexible in where it can move than the nude people on Adam Looking for Eve? (laughs) That's an interesting phrasing of the question. Uh, No, yes, he does see Batman as more flexible than the nude people. Well, Batman truly is the hero the SBS schedule deserves. (laughs) He's, 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 He's an amazing man who can fit any situation. And he has already had a mid-season move at one point because of the success. We did move it to a better time slot. So, yeah, 
Uh, now, Batman, if he was on the program Adam Looking for Eve, which I guess would be retitled Adam West Looking for Eve. I think we would all be watching. He'd still be just wearing the cowl, right? I, I should hope so. The and, cowl and nothing else. And O'Hara would obviously have the green towel. Yeah, exactly. And would he, would I, he be Eve in this situation? I'm not going to even... I think Venus would make a fine Eve. <laughs> We do like to end the Batman land every week with the lessons we've learned from Batman. Fiona Williams. Hello. You are an astute person who learns a lot from this show. What did you take away this week? I'm never not learning things from Batman. This week, it was interesting to note that there were so many wig shops in Gotham that you have to have a wig analyzer to trace where a particular wig comes from. And you find out it's Harry's hair lair. But yeah, who knew? Me now. Yeah, who knew indeed? Uh, Mr. Feggins, what did you learn this week? I think my my learnings are threefold. (laughs) One, one, that the boy Blunder is a great burn and I can't remember who said it. (laughs) It would be a joker line. I think it was a joker line. It's got to be a joker line. I genuinely laughed at that. Two, that hats solve anything and make for great disguises no matter what the situation. And three, like I'll never eat clam chowder again. No, I mean, my big lesson this week was really learning the threat that clams can pose. Who knew? Who knew? Guys, this is the end of another Batman land. We'll be back next week with more Batman excitement. Fiona Williams, people may want to find you on Twitter. How do they do that? They may want to, and they can, at anything but Fifi. They probably will want to, in fairness. Definitely. Christopher Fagans, are you on the social media? Uh, no. No, I'm not. <laughs> Any, is any, your brother? Yeah. Is your twin on? No, I don't think he is either. Uh, any any complaints? Please direct straight to at the Dan Barrett, <laughs> which is me on Twitter. People can find me at the Dan Barrett. If you're talking about Batman, leave the hashtag Batman Land. Helps people follow the conversation. If you like the show, leave a review on you know, Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're using to subscribe to this here podcast. If you're not subscribed to this podcast, I ask the question: Why aren't you subscribed? Go to your podcast app, press the subscribe button. It means you get an episode every darn freaking week. So much language fee. I just got the look. Folks, we'll be back <laughs> next week. Same Batman Land time, same Batman Land channel. Na, na, na.